We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, we want to be in your presence today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. nothing like being in the presence of the Lord. Just, just to be in His presence, to allow His Spirit to move. Sometimes we get in too big of a hurry. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God bless you this morning. Please be seated. It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord this morning. Feel the touch of God. It's good to have uh, visitors with us. Leslie, it's good to have you today. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you coming. And Ron and Kathy, you're not visitors. Just welcome home. It's good to see you. While you're turning to Ezekiel 37, Jason... Come give me a word of encouragement. I need a little encouragement. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Give us a word of encouragement. Yes. Good morning, family. Good morning. What has God done for you lately? I haven't asked that question in a while. What has God done for you lately? Well, if any of y'all were here last week, y'all saw me walking around with an umbrella. And I could barely move. You see, I ain't got no umbrella, and I got my praise back today. So, you know, that's, a, that's, a, that's some praise right there. Um, church, I just want to keep encouraging us. Um, as y'all see that y'all got the praise report this morning about Scott, y'all see what God is doing with the healing. Y'all see we're back together, family. You see that there's something. There must be something with this unity thing that uh, God's been telling us that he's been putting on uh, Pastor Don. So I just want to keep encouraging us. Keep moving, keep praying, but y'all, y'all know what it is. Oh, wait a minute! Hallelujah! There it is. All right, so now um, we're gonna we're gonna do something. I want you to grab your word, whatever whatever you're reading your word. I want you to grab your word. I want you to hold it in the air. If it's your phone, Bible, hold it up, and I want y'all to repeat after me. Say, Lord, release. The revelation of your word in me, through me, on me, right now, here today, in Jesus' name, so that I may be everything, everything, everything you want me to be. Now, I want y'all to say with a loud voice, the curse is broken, my drought is over. My future, my future, my future is bright in Jesus' name. Y'all give him some praise.
Yes. Hallelujah. Praise God. I have a question for you today. Is revival ahead of us? Is revival ahead of us? Don't ruin my message, brother. <laughs> Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, now as I'm reading this, read with me, but get a mental picture of what's going on here. Kind of let your... Your, your mental thing start clicking right here. And he caused me to pass by them round about, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now you think at this point Ezekiel's feeling a little foolish. It's a bunch of dried out, bleached out, bones laying out there and the lord says listen i want you to prophesy that word prophesy here means preach and 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 i want oh dry bones hear the word of the lord how in the world can a dry bone hear the word of the lord thus saith the lord god unto these bones behold i will cause breath to enter into you you shall have and you shall live and i will lay sinews upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that i am the lord so I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise. Uh-oh. There was a noise, and behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then he said unto me, Prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God. You know, a lot of times when you're speaking, now I'm not telling you to go into Walmart and buy a gallon of milk and go, Thus saith the word of the Lord. But there are times in our lives when God wants us just to say, Thus saith the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded. Are you getting the picture of what's going on here? God said it and he did it. God said it and he did it. God said it and he did it. I, so I prophesied as he commanded me and breath came unto them and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off far parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you. You shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall you know that I am the Lord have spoken, that I the Lord have spoken and performed it, saith the Lord. The situation here in in chapter 37 is sort of a, a bleak situation. The, the, the proclamation here is that to the Jews that were exiled, and it was this proclamation that was made uh, was around 572 B.C. Israel is at this point in time a very defeated nation. Uh, their military has been crushed by the enemy. 
people separated and they had simply abandoned God is what has happened. Exhausted and alone and in despair, Israel was as good as dead. Israel was as good as dead. They were in need of a revival. Revival is God taking what seems hopeless and showing what God can do. That's what revival is. Taking something that seems hopeless and God saying, look what I can do. I'm asking you a question. Is there a revival ahead of us? If so, how does revival happen? How does it happen? First, revival comes about the preaching of the Word. If you look at verses 1 through 4 again, what you find is the word prophesy here, preach what I'm telling you. That's what he's telling Ezekiel here. I want you to go out to this valley and all these bones that are all laying around, they're dried, they're white, they're bleached, they're, you know, it's dead people, and I want you to preach something to them. You know, I'm not saying y'all, but preachers feel like that sometimes. Preachers sometimes, I'm not saying y'all, some of y'all looking at me like, well, how do you? Sometimes you feel like you're preaching to a valley of dry bones. People that are dead. People that have been dead for a long time. Now, man, I can feel that one. I'm not talking about tabernacle of praise. Ezekiel starts chapter 37 with, The hand of the Lord was upon me. What he was saying is that something divine, something special, something extraordinary was about to take place. That's what he meant by the hand of the Lord was upon me. Something big's about to go down. And I feel like something's like that in Tabernacle of Praise. Something divine, something special, something extraordinary is about to take place in this house in 2021. What makes his vision unusual is that this valley is just full of bones. The bones of men who had actually been slaughtered, their corpses were left on top of the ground in plain view for everybody to see. Dead men left to rot and scorch in the sun in the valley. You know, a lot of times getting us to the valley is often where revival really begins. Getting us to a place of the valley is often the place where revival really begins in our life. We have to come to the end of ourselves in order to experience the fullness of God's purpose. In order for this valley of dry bones to do what it had to do, those men had to come to the end of themselves. They had to give up their bones in this valley of dry bones. The valley becomes a teacher to us, doesn't it? You know, a lot of times when I come into a valley, valley teaches me and humbles me. You know, the interesting thing is we, we want to fly high on the mountaintops, don't we? We, we want to avoid the valleys, don't we? But, but where does everything grow? Where does the water run? Where's everything green? Where is it lush? Where do you get all What happens in the mountains? Oh, about six miles up. Cold. No tree line. Very few things. That, and a lot of times we think we want to be on the mountaintop. I'm going to challenge you today. You know what? If you want revival to happen in your family, if, if you want your kids to turn, you know, some of us have our kids that aren't where they need to be in God, and we've prayed, and we, you know, listen, let's go to the valley. Listen, that's where all the stuff is. The valley seems tough to us, but listen, the valley may be full of dry bones, but thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. The valley brings us to a place where we're pliable in God. That in the potter's hand, we can be. The sheer number of bones brought an excitement to Ezekiel because they laid everywhere on the ground. 
They weren't piled up. They weren't stacked neatly. They were just scattered and thrown about and bleached, deteriorating just everywhere. They weren't skeletons that were laying. You imagine now, you've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of men that had died in battle there. So you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of buzzards and vultures coming by. If you've ever watched a buzzard eat a dead carcass on an East Texas road, they scatter that thing from one end to the other. They'll take it from one. I drove down our road the other day, and there was right in the middle of the road was a raccoon who didn't make it. And the buzzards were glad. They were around. Came back about 10 minutes later, he wasn't in the middle of the road. The buzzards had him on the side of the road because they were smart enough to get off the road and eat their... So you can imagine what went on in this valley. Bones just strewn everywhere. Listen, if, if God... And what, basically what Ezekiel is saying, listen, at the end of the chapter, Ezekiel, God says to Ezekiel, listen, you understand, this is Israel. Israel has, has been scattered. Their bones were everywhere. This is Israel scattered, bleached, deteriorating as a nation. And, 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 and I need to say this, if God is not the center of our existence... If he's not the center of your existence, then all you're going to do is wither, decay, and bleach. You're going to get scattered. He has to be the center of your existence. When you look back, that was the ultimate demise of Israel every single time, is that God wasn't the center. And so I have to ask myself as pastor, is God really the center? You know what the center point is, right? If you're, if you're shooting a gun and they put a bullseye, you know, you know, you hit those rings, that's pretty good. But you know what? If you hit that center point, you're, you're a crack shot. You're right on top of it. You're right in the middle. You got it going on. And what we need to understand is we need to be right in the center with God in our center. Israel's restoration as a nation kind of seems unlikely at the point where he's at the valley of dry bones. But that's where revival happens. When a nation seems to be on the brink of total loss, let me make a description here. When a nation seems to be on the brink of total loss, total despair, non-understanding, self-indulged, separated from one another, you know, the biggest thing that's happened in our media today is the attack in trying to separate us from one another. I mean, I believe in supporting everybody. I totally believe in that. But the media is dividing us with it. They're dividing us with it. We ought to be locked arm in arm, supporting one another 100% because we're Christians and we love one another. doesn't matter what the media says. It doesn't matter what the pro basketball player says. It doesn't matter what the politician says. It doesn't matter what the football player Boy, We put a lot of stock in people who, you know, they did well to get seized to get out of college, and they got seized because somebody else did their work while they were on the field. And now all of a sudden we think they're all this mind. They got all this political savvy and all this. And, you know, basically when you hear them talk, and it doesn't matter. This is not when you hear them talk and they say, well, what do you think about the economy today? Uh, economy, E-C-O. They can't even spell the word, much less talk to you about it. And yet we're putting, we're putting stock in what these people are saying. And even into the nature of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing's going to bring us together. Nothing but Jesus Christ. I don't care what kind of program you throw out there. I don't care how much money you put out there. It doesn't matter who says what. Nothing is going to draw us together except Jesus Christ. He is the only one. There's nothing else. We can talk a good game. We can say we're going to do this. I'm going to support this. I'm going to support them. I'm going to support... 
Jesus Christ. That's why thus saith the Lord is important in these scriptures. We've got to understand something. Our, our nation is in a, in, in a very peculiar spot because it's in the same situation Israel was in time and time and time and time again. Same position. Understand, listen, no faith is required to do the possible. No faith is required to do the possible. God asks us not what we can do. God asks us what we can't do. And not that we can't do it. What is it you can't do? Because what you think you can't do, I'm going to show you I'm going to do. You don't think these dry bones can get up? What he, he asked him the question. Do you think these bones can live? And you know what Ezekiel said? <laughs> you know God. <laughs> so God said, man, i got to spark some faith into this man. Do you believe God can heal the sick? <laughs> yeah. Well, he said it. <laughs> no, you know what? He said that this, we shall lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. Let's see. Can I break this down just really quick for you? He didn't say, I'm going to show up and I'm going to lay hands on them and y'all are going to see me do all. He said, you are going to lay hands on the sick and they are going to recover. What do we not understand about this? What, somebody help me. Jesse's, la Jesse's laughing at me because he... It's simple as the prayer of faith. Faithful prayer. There be any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. We did that this morning. Anointing them with oil. And uh, prayer of faith to save the sick. God tells Ezekiel in verse 4 to prophesy over these bones. The first part of revival in all of our lives is preaching. Preaching. That's not Pastor Don preaching to you. That's you preaching to the masses. Thank you, Bruce. Because we're afraid to preach to the masses. When Jesus said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, he said, preach, preach, preach. Who was he talking to? Well, the 12. No, he was talking to every single one of us. Our responsibility is to preach the gospel, to teach the gospel. The first part of revival is that we get unafraid of preaching the gospel. So let, let, can I make this real simple for you? Because it's simple for me. I figured it out. I looked into Acts, okay? So they went about preaching the gospel. So what did they preach? Hmm. Well, you got to do that. No, what? Somebody said it. All they did was preach Jesus and Him crucified and resurrected. That's all they preached. And while they yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell. While these people heard the word, they believed. People believed simply because of what was preached. Don't you think these people thought that at first, you know, uh, this dude came from back from the dead? Yeah. He's, he's who? Yeah. But you know what? The more they heard it, the more they believed it. See, we don't believe that we can preach the gospel and people believe it. In our society today, I've heard preachers and pastors say that this generation does not want to be saved. <clears throat> this generation wants to be saved like any other generation. The problem is the previous generation has not provided them with enough information. Oh, we got computer. We got books. No. We are responsible to provide them with the information. It's called preaching the word. That's what that's what brings about revival. 
That's what brings about revival in your family. It was what brings about revival in your neighborhood and in your state and in your country, your nation, the world, is if we preach the gospel. When we fail to preach, simple, isn't it? Simple, isn't it? It's not that hard. Speak the divine word through which a miracle you're about to experience is performed. I'm going to say that again because this is what preaching is. You speak the divine word. Don't speak your word. Speak the divine word. Thus saith the Lord. The Lord told Ezekiel what to say, didn't he? Every time. Prophesy unto these bones. Prophesy unto this. Prophesy. He said, listen, I'm going to tell you what to preach. And if you'll preach it, you're going to see these bones come up. So the Lord told him... So many of us think we got to devise this uh, sermon plan that we walk around with that we can lay out the whole shebang for somebody in five minutes. You know what a shebang is? It's an East Texas word. Look it up. But here's the deal. The revival was not coming through Ezekiel's abilities, but by the power of the preached word that Ezekiel was given. If we'll just preach his gospel, that's the first part of revival. It's by the foolishness of preaching that revival happens. It's by the foolishness of preaching that revival happens. And we're all called to do it. Like the dry bones of Ezekiel, people enter this world spiritually dead. You you understand that God is showing Ezekiel how Israel had fallen away and now they were nothing but dry bones. But he's speaking prophetically as well because he talks about being filled with the Spirit in verse 14. And I shall put my Spirit in you. You see, in those days, the Spirit moved upon them. So here's a prophecy of things to come. So he wasn't just talking to Israel. He's talking to whom? Us today. No one can change the situation that they come into this world dead. You, every single one of us come into this world spiritually dead. We have to be born again. You can't change that situation. I had a person tell me not long ago when they were born, they were a Christian at birth. Careful. Being a Christian is a born-again experience, not being born because Nicodemus kind of, well, listen, Jesus, I, I can't be born again. I, I was born. How can I go back to my mother's womb? And Jesus said, you don't understand. You were born of your mother. That's not what we're talking about here. We're, we're talking about a second birth that you need to have. No, no one is born a Christian. Everybody needs revival. Everybody needs revival. You need it, and I need it. We all need revival, and it comes through purpose. Escaping the hopelessness of dry bones comes only by a new birth experience, and that new birth experience comes by preaching. God says in verse 5, He will cause breath to enter into these bones, that they will live. This breath, uh, sin of God, is the symbol, or it's the, in, in the Old Testament, the Hebrews tells us that all the Old Testament is type and shadow. In the physical form of Israel, type and shadow of the New Testament church. And so the breath that God sent is the symbol of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost brings renewal. The Holy Ghost brings regeneration and rebirth to a lifeless soul. And that's what you're seeing when you see this valley of dry bones and what goes down. And how, you know, it's interesting. I'm going to kind of skip forward if you'll let me. So he's got these bones, and they're just, you know, so he said, okay, we're going to put, we're going to click the bones together. So you know what the weird thing was? As Ezekiel's standing there in his vision, the right bones connected, you know, the ankle bone didn't try to connect itself to the elbow. It went right to where it needed to be. And every bone connected itself to its right place. And then all the muscle, the sinews, all the muscle and the skin and all this. And it's interesting how that when he was 
finished, it had all of its skin, had, it looked just like a human, but it was still dead. Sort of like Adam. Sort of like Adam. Adam looked just like you and me, but he stood there dead. Only when was the breath breathed into him that life. That's what the Holy Ghost does. That's, that's a part of the regeneration of our life. The resuscitation or revival of the bones came not by the prophet, but by his preaching and the Spirit. It came by his preaching. Only God can revive bones. Only God can revive you. No matter, no matter what I do, the only thing I can do is preach to you about it. The only thing you can do is preach to the lost about it. Austin and I were talking this morning, and I don't want you all to misunderstand something. Because we, we, we were talking in a given subject. But we often pray a lot, a lot for people in the church. But how much do we pray for the lost? Because the Valley of Dry Bones was the lost. It was those that were away from God, separated from one another. How often do we pray earnestly for the lost? Because that's the key to Ezekiel 37 and what God's trying to tell us today. Only God, though, can revive that nation. But He chooses you and He chooses me to preach it so that He can revive it to bring life from death. The first stage of revival in verse 6 was to bring about the bones into a skeleton. So I'm not going to go through the whole thing. Bring it all, make it all happen. God's purpose in reviving bones was not just biological, though. It wasn't just biological. This wasn't just a biological thing God wanted to do to show Ezekiel. He was showing not only the biological, but he was showing the spiritual renewal as well. The breath. The biological was putting all the stuff together, wrapping it with muscle and skin, but the breath was the spirit. God doesn't want, God doesn't, uh, want us to get into church. He wants the church to get into us. God doesn't want us to just get into church. You see, that, that's the thing that, the thing that uh, stops revival. That, that's what's happened to America. We all got into church, but the church didn't get into most of us. And that's what stops revival. So we've got to understand, we've got to allow the church to get into us. The Valley of Dry Bones speaks of the spiritual condition of Israel. Not only was Israel divided as a nation, but it's, it had no breath. It had no spiritual life. Do we as God's people really see the spiritual condition of America today? Do we really see what's going on in America? Do we really understand it? Because we're doing a lot of blaming on politicians, on races, on idealisms. We're doing a lot of pointing fingers that this is the problem, that's the problem, when the whole problem is, just like the bones, we have left God. And now we're deteriorating. Now we're bleaching out in the valley. Now we're becoming useless, hopeless, because we've left God. That's what's happening in our nation. Let me read verses 7 through 9 again. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, and there was no breath in them. Then said he uh, unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So not only does revival come from preaching, but revival comes from prayer. Because when you read this, it's exactly what God is saying. Not just preach about it to the dry bones, but pray for the dry bones. Pray for them. God promised something to Ezekiel, 
But that something promised was linked to prayer. It was linked to prayer. Prayer is not just a noise. Prayer brings about a noise. If you don't believe it, look at Acts chapter 2. The Bible says that they were in the upper room, and what were they doing? They were praying. Suddenly there came the sound, a noise as of a, a, noise as of a, a, noise as of a rushing mighty wind. Prayer brings a noise. Listen, you want, you want a move of God in your family? I've been praying for my family. That is our response normally. The thing is, are we praying for the dry bones? Are we praying for the lost? So we can pray. We pray for our family. Nothing wrong with that. We pray for our parents and our kids, and nothing wrong with that. But a lot of times we don't get outside of that. Our pre- we, don't, we preach to our kids a lot, don't we? Don't do this. The Lord's going to get you. Don't do that. You're going to go to hell for that. Don't do that. We preach a lot to our kids about we can keep them in line. And most of that preaching is not valid. Because what we're supposed to be preaching is, thus saith the Lord. Revival comes through prayer. God promised something to Ezekiel, and he said, I'll give you this if you pray. Prayer is not a noise. As a matter of fact, here it says it's a rattling and a shaking. That word thundering here literally translates as a trumpet blast from God. He said, listen, if you'll pray, then what will happen is that'll happen, and then they'll get up. But when that happens, when the breath comes to them, understand, there's going to be a thundering. There's going to be a noise. That word translates a trumpet blast from God. You know, it's funny that according to the New Testament, when Jesus comes to get us, there's a noise in heaven. There's a, there's a trump of God. Here we go again. Just as there was a trump that was spoken of in Ezekiel 37, there's a trump of God that sounds when Jesus comes to get us. And it's a, what is it? If you have the in your life, what's going to quicken your mortal body into immortality? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? It's the Holy Ghost. Understanding that prayer brings about the move of the Holy Ghost in your life. Prayer brought about the move of God's Spirit on the dry bones. They're standing there stiff as a board. But a little bit of prayer brought life. The bones came together. The body was whole. They matched. The bones matched. You know what? They matched. Here's what I like. The bones that got together in the valley matched exactly how God did it in the garden. The the bones that came together in the valley matched exactly how God did it in the garden. Everything was in its own place. Everything came after its own likeness. Everything followed its own pattern, its own construction, and the original blueprint. And one of the problems when we don't have revival in the church is we don't want to follow the old pattern. We don't want to follow the blueprint because, after all, that was the old guys. One of the, man, the worst thing now for me is when somebody calls me old-timer. And that's happened. Hey, old-timer. You know, you know, that's a hamburger at Chili's. Don't be calling me that. But you know why they're saying that, right? Hey, old guy that's passed you by, things are new and nothing's good for you. That's what they're saying. The whole thing about it is this. We have to understand there's nothing wrong with the old. Some of us have thrown out the baby with the bathwater when we left some of our old, when we should have kept some of our old. There's nothing wrong with the old. 
The entire body was fitted together. It was correct. It just needed a breath from the four corners of the earth. That's all it needed. So God spoke, and he said, not only I want you to preach it, I want you to pray it. And that's what he did. The standing army. You know, we think of a standing army as 100,000 strong. But now we have this standing army in the middle of the Valley of Dry Bones, and they're all standing, but they're all dead. What, you, that's useless. What good is that? A lot of times we think when we fill the church up, man, whoo, yeah, here it goes. Y'all look out. That's why I'm backing up. I'm looking for rocks. We think because we fill the church up. Look at us. We're a standing army of. Maybe God's wanting to send some spirit. Listen to that. A standing army then became a living army. In the different times and courses of the life of God's church, you will find if you look in the history that on occasion in different places, God would blow a breath into the church and cause it to come alive again. Just look back. There are different times. It happened in the 1900s in America. It happened in the late 1800s in Europe. And if you just keep going back in history, you keep finding this repetitive thing that God does. Every so often, He just blows that breath of the Spirit into the church and brings it back to life. Brings it back to it where it needs to be. The people of captivity, the people of the exile, the people of Israel would become a nation again. That's what God told Israel or told Ezekiel. Now Ezekiel's looking at what? Dry bones. Now, okay, I see God, I see you did something there. That's pretty good, but you know they're still dead. Oh, well, I see you did. Man, they're a standing army. And so God has now told you this is what's going to happen to your nation, Israel. And even though it seemed hopeless and helpless, Ezekiel said, okay, it's a promise. You know, things can seem hopeless at times, can't they? Things can seem hopeless, even as a nation. Do you, let me ask you a question. Are you feeling some hopelessness in America sometimes? Because there's days when I hear things. You know, I started turning those things off because most of the time they're lies. But You know, I used to think that weathermen who were right half the time maybe but keep their job for 30 years, how does that happen? But you know what I figured out? They're the least of my worries. Because these are the reporters are lying 100% of the time and still keep their job. How does that happen? They're, they know that people are feeling hopeless. When you feel hopeless, you know what you feel? There's no answer. There's no way out. There's no, and now I got you. When you, I'm going to end this pretty quick, y'all. The one thing I liked when I was a young guy, before I came, before I ever said, hey, listen, before I got into church, don't think I'd do this anymore. When I was a young guy, was to pick out the guy that had this hopelessness in him. I like that. You know what? I knew before I ever threw the first punch, he was done. He was done. When he looked in my eyes and it was like, a, man, there's no way this, can, I, this is not working out good for me no matter what I do. Oh, yeah, I knew right then this is over. I'm going to enjoy this one. And that's what's going on in our world, in our, in our America today. They want us to feel hopeless. You know, at a point, Ezekiel felt hopeless, but God said, I got a promise for you. I got a promise for you. Look, look deep into this vision. Because not only is this going to happen, there's going to come a day. 
because we understand this. There's going to come a day when I'm going to put my spirit in you. And we know that day happened in Jerusalem. That day happened in Jerusalem at the Feast of Pentecost. We know that that spirit fell, and God for the first time put his spirit in his people. How long did Ezekiel have to wait? Ezekiel was long gone. Long gone with a promise. You ever felt long gone with a promise? God, I thought this was going to happen for me. I thought. What Ezekiel saw in that valley, even though you read the Scripture and it says here that, they would, that, that the graves were opened up, you understand that all these bones were not buried in the ground. They were just laying on top. As long as you're not buried, there's a hope for revival. It's when we get buried. Because when we get buried, we call that the end. The woman from Nain walking with her son, he wasn't in the ground yet. He wasn't in the ground yet. And, she, and Jesus brought hope and brought him back alive. Lazarus was buried for four days. And the hopelessness was not in Lazarus. You see, Lazarus was going to go to the place he had lived and wanted to go to all his life. It was the despair and hopelessness in Lazarus' sisters that got Jesus' attention. What do you mean? You know, if Jesus, if you'd have just been here four days ago, you understand something. The Jews believed that your body holds your spirit for three days. After the third day, then your spirit leaves. You understand why Lazarus was in the grave Four days. That sealed, sealed everything. He's done deal. He's over. It's over. It's hopeless. There's nothing going to happen here. Jesus stepped into hopelessness and said, Hang on just a second. Let me show you something here. Thus saith the Lord God. Verse 14 rings the promise of God about the Spirit. Not just a promise to a nation, but a promise to a world. Listen, in order to have revival in this land... We have to have revival through the power of the Holy Ghost. I know I talked about it last, but we've got to have, we've got to have preaching. We've got to have prayer, but none of it works without the power of the Holy Ghost. None of it. It's a tinkling brass sounding cymbal. None of it will work because we've got to have that power of spirit. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. I'm not going to read the part you think I'm going to read. Y'all thought I was going to go that other group on you. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice. Now he's preaching. Peter, with the other eleven, lifted up his voice and said, Me, you men of Judea, and all you that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. But this is that, this is that, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet who's been dead hundreds of years, who's been dead hundreds of years. This is that that was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Somebody years and years ago said this was going to happen, and I'm telling you all today, as you stand here and you've experienced this, that this is what Joel said was going to happen. Here it is. If God promises it, it's going to happen. If God promises it, it's going to happen. One of the things we got to learn is that God, there are promises. How many of you have looked up all the promises? I asked that question three years ago, almost to the date, about a month away. 
Look up all the promises of God. You understand if God made a promise, it's going to happen? If He promised it in Scripture, it's going to go down? I kind of want to know what God's promising here. Because God makes promises that are outrageous. Yeah, uh, Ezekiel, uh, yeah, it's going to revive again. There's going to be revival in your land. You know what Ezekiel's like? <laughs> yeah. Okay, God. And a lot of times that's how we approach God. Oh, yeah, God, there's revival. It just doesn't happen in Kennedale, but yeah, there's revival. Man, I see revival. Do y'all see it? Have y'all noticed? I'm about done. Y'all take a deep breath. There's revival going on in America. You know why you're not seeing it, right? Because of the guys that are wrong 100% of the time that report the news. They're not going to report revival. They're not going to report that there's thousands of people on the West Coast in California gathered by the ocean, lifting up God and praising and worshiping. They're not, you're not going to see that on TV. Not going to happen. But there's thousands of people right now that are meeting in California of all places. Man, that's the last place I'd have thought in California, and they're lifting, you know, miracles are happening. People are receiving the Holy Ghost. People are, their lives are being changed. All of this is going on, but we're not going to hear a word about it. But you know what? That's a promise. That's a promise. In the last days, saith God. Well, wait a minute. I thought the last, yeah, the last days began at Pentecost, and it'll end when Jesus comes and gets us. That's the last days. That's not the end times. That's not the end times the Bible speaks of. It's the last days the Bible speaks of. That when the Spirit is poured out, all of that transition of time, the Spirit is going to be poured out up until... See, do we really believe that God wants to pour out the Holy Ghost? Do we, you know, don't shake your head. I don't want you to... Do we really believe today? Because after all, that happened at Pentecost. and you know, That kind of happened in the early uh, 1900s. By the way, if you have a Methodist background, hit your chest. The move of the Holy Ghost in America started in the Methodist movement. Started in the Methodist movement. I'm not downing the Methodist. My grandfather was a Methodist. I'm just asking a question. What happened? What happened? Now, before y'all all throw a rock at me, I was part of a Pentecostal movement. What happened? What happened? See, we've come to the point in America, we don't really believe God wants to save America. Oh, Lord, Pastor Don, yes, we do in the church. Do we? Are we preaching? Are we praying? All is quiet in the house of God. Those of you that have been here a while, you know where God's been leading us through this all. And now God's taking us to the valley of dry bones. You know why He's taking us to the valley of dry bones? Because He's about to do something that you're not going to believe. He's going to bring back to life. Your kids that you don't believe could ever come back into church, listen to this pastor, are coming back into church. They're coming back. They're coming back. Your family members, those that you would never think would happen, I'm going to tell the story real quick. Jana had a grandmother. Every Sunday she'd she'd leave to go... to uh, church, and her husband would sit in the doorway with a shotgun and say, you're not going to church today or I'm going to shoot you. And she'd say, Earl, move out of the way. And he'd move out of the way. She'd go to church. This went on for years and years and years. 
Earl with a shotgun. So she passes away and goes on to glory. Right after that, Earl goes to church. Earl gets baptized. Earl gets the Holy Ghost. You understand what we're saying here? In the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit. You see, stories like that amaze us when they should be this common, common, common. Should be common. Yeah, did you hear about so-and-so down the street? Yeah, yeah, they're coming to church with us now. Why is that? Well, I don't know. One day they just said, hey, can we? And they came, and you know what? The Holy Ghost moved on them, and God's directing their life into all this stuff. Oh, oh. is that happening really in my neighborhood? Really? Is that happening to my family? Yeah, yeah, you know, some of us would fall out and pass out if our, some of our family walked in the back door. We couldn't believe God would do that. We'd just pass out. Would I pass out if my brothers walked in here? Yeah. If you knew my brothers, yeah. But you know what? I'd wake up awful quick because that's what God is doing now. It, 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 listen, it comes from us preaching. We have to be willing. Are you willing to risk it? You're, you're willing to risk it. Is it a risk to preach? Ask Apostle Paul. Now let's get down where the river meets the road and finish this off. Are you, are you willing to risk it? Are you willing to preach? Because Paul was willing to preach, but look what it cost him. He was beheaded for it. Peter was willing to preach, but look what happened. He was crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified like the Lord. Did James, yes, he was the first martyr. He was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. On and on and on we go. You know what? We've got to be willing. God didn't say every one of us was going to be beheaded because we preached. He just said, be willing. Be willing to give it. Be willing. That's what preaching's about. That's what prayer. When's the last time I spent an hour in prayer? You know, one of the fun things I do when I'm talking with people in the back and they have problems, as I ask them, have you prayed about this together for an hour? You should see some of the looks I get. Pray for an hour? Yeah. Pray about this situation for an hour. Invariably, to, the, to date, as far as I know, none of them have come back. Either they just, like, oh, that's too much for me, or they prayed an hour and got their answer. we we got to believe God for some stuff. We gotta, do you believe your prayers go any higher than the ceiling? Do you believe your prayers go any higher? Because you know what? Your prayer doesn't have to go any higher than this chair. But a lot of us don't believe. We, we've got height set on our prayer. The Holy Ghost is in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory, the Spirit of God. When you pray, you know what? Man, it's right there. It's right there. Don't be looking for it. It's right there. God wants to. There's, things, there's answers. There's all kinds of things. It's right there. The thing is, are we willing to get out on a knee for an hour and pray about it? That's what happens with revival. That's what brings revival. Some of y'all have old-time moms, grandmoms, all of those that you can remember coming home. You know, maybe not Jesse, but because you didn't do what I did. You came home, and you're kind of halfway looped from doing things you shouldn't be doing. And somewhere in the back, you hear somebody praying, and they're calling out names, and they're they're on their knees up late at night. They're calling out your name, and they're calling out brothers' and sisters' names. They're calling out all the names. You know what? They just wanted revival in our lives. You know, John was telling me he used to come home, and not in that state, but don't want to throw a long, wrong light on John. But he used to come home, and he would hear his mom. She would be calling out the, his names, be calling out our names. You know what? What happened? Man, are we doing that now? 
because that's what we need to be doing. That's what God, that's what this, all this, the sinews on, the muscles are on, the bones are all together. We're standing tall now as an army. God's just saying, listen, if you'll preach a little and pray a little and let my spirit move on you a little, watch what happens. Stand with me if you would. I'm not with the group that believes that the end time is not going to have a revival. I'm just telling you all as pastor, I don't believe the scripture bears that out. I don't believe the scripture shows that. There's people that will say, well, it just says everybody, there's going to be a great falling away. And that's what everybody talks about, the great falling away. Why do we want to talk about the great falling away? Why, why do we want to talk about that? What we need to talk about is the great revival. Is the, is the thing, the move of God in the last, see, we, we stuck God at Pentecost. Well, thank you for moving, Lord, and that was big. 3,000 one day, 5,000 the next. Added to the church dailies, multiplied. But that was great back then, but, you know, we don't. Man, we ought to believe for tens of thousands. How about just our families first? Man, you know what? If my brother called me today and said he received the Holy Ghost, y'all would never see me again. I'm just telling you. I'd be on the street looking for somebody and to tell them about, you know what? It would, I'm telling y'all, it would change my whole life. I've prayed for them, my brothers, for long. But you know what? It's not, oftentimes in our, you know, prophets in our own countries, we're not accepted. But my God can send somebody else to a valley of dry bones and just say, just speak to them. Just, just speak to them. That's all you got to do. I'll, I'll do the rest. Just speak to them. And I'm believing that's going to happen to my brothers. But I'm telling y'all, I'm not, I won't be moving to Ireland like most of you think. We can't get there because of COVID. But I can tell you, you may not see me because you know what that will do to me? Now, isn't that a shame? Isn't that a shame? I need to be on the street regardless if my brother has it or not. And that's what, I'm, that's what this pastor is asking God for in his life. God, ch- change me to where every lost person to me is my brother. Just, just let me look at him and see my brother. That's all. That's, if you, God changed me that way and, and then, then turn me loose. Turn me loose. In 532 B.C., 28 years after the prophecy, Israel was called back. They came home. Nehemiah wrote about it. Cyrus, Cyrus who was a pagan, defeated the Babylonians and said to the Jews, yeah, I'm going home and build your place back up. Boy, I don't want to make anybody, this is not political, just let me use the name, okay? I'm not going to be in political. What if Joe Biden got on TV today and said, church, y'all go ahead and have church and go ahead and build your house back up where it needs to be? That's what Cyrus did. Now, whether you like him or not, it's not, I'm not that's what I'm talking about. Understand that somebody that had no connection, no connection, said, go do it. And they did it. Wow. You know what's being said here today in our church? God is saying, go do it. Go do it. Go do it.
The lost have been lost long enough. I've been in the church 40 years. 40 years. Man, if this was all a lie, if this was all an untruth, if I found it tomorrow, this was all just a big joke played on, you know what, I'd still live it. It's the best life, Jesse, I could ever live. Austin, this is the best life. Even if this, even if this was all, you can't get any better than this. But we know that's not the truth. There's a lost world out there, y'all. There's a lost world that needs us. They need Jesus. But you know how Jesus is getting to them? God said to Ezekiel, you go prophesy. God could have just spoke to the bones. Ezekiel, you go prophesy. You know what that did for Ezekiel? Every time he prophesied something and it came to pass, you bones get up and get together and come in the right place. Now prophesy the sinew. Oh, you. Yeah, I can do those noises on the. And all of a sudden, that boy, about the time, it's time for them to get a breath of life. I imagine, here's Ezekiel. Man, there's nobody here to see this but me. But God, you see it. Sometimes it's only you there to see it. But God sees it. He sees it. I'm going to invite you to the front. You, you don't. No, you know, no one has to come. Altars are always open here at our church because, you know, this, this is another service for us, altar time. It's just a time where we've worshiped God, we've heard preaching, and so we just want to respond to what God's spoken to our hearts. Everyone, every one of you, God has spoken something a little different into your heart today. Every one of us. And, and if you're a, in your chair where you're sitting, or a, it doesn't matter. Just We just like the altar area because that's kind of what we do. The altar is a place where people came before God in the Scripture, and so that's what we do. But understand that coming to this altar, what we're telling God is this. God, you say it. You say it, and we're going to do it. We're going to do it. If you tell me to say this, I'm going to do it. If you tell me to go to that person, I'm going to. Have you ever been, oh, I'm not sure if that's me or if that's God telling me to go tell them about Jesus. Let's see. Let me think a second. Well, it's not the devil. He's not going to tell you to, oh, he's going to make a fool of me and have me talk about them to Jesus, and they're going to laugh at me. devil doesn't want to take that chance whatsoever that you might win them. That's, devil's out. So let's see me. I am such an outstanding human that, that in me is this deal that I'm so good that I'm going to tell them, no, 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 there's none good but God. So if, if there's a deal in you that says, you know what, you need to go speak to that person, pray for their help, pray that they have a need, can I help you? You know what? That is God. You need to get this. That is God. And He's, tell, he's telling you so you can do. And what's going to happen is those dry bones, those bones right in front of your eyes are going to pop up. The person that was dead is going to become alive. we got to believe God that if He said it, He said, listen, I'll breathe. I'll, I'll breathe. I'll do that, Ezekiel. When I do that, Ezekiel, they're going to, they're going to come alive. Now, it wasn't crazy enough that all the bones and stuff happened, but then to come back, they've been dead for some of them tens, decades, years, some of them hundreds. This was an old war area. This was an old war area for the Jews. They had battled there many times for many years. 
God is saying to His church today, if you'll just, I'll do it. Lord Jesus, God, help us to realize today that nothing happens without You. Not anything we can do, but in the Word that You've spoken to us. Just as You spoke to that prophet Ezekiel and told him to prophesy, and thus saith the Lord God. That's what we stand on, Your Word today. Your Word tells us that You came to seek and to save that which was lost. Your Word tells me to go out into the highways and the byways and compel them to come to the marriage. God, could it be that if we just sprinkle our family with a little word and prayer and Holy Ghost, if we just put a little bit of that in their lives, my, what you could do simply because you said it. God, I know that your word tells me that your word will never return void. It never comes back empty. God, help us as a people, as the church, as your people, as a, as a group of people in Kennedale in the Fort Worth area, the Dallas area. Help us, God, to understand, God, when your word says it, it doesn't matter whether we believe it or not. If we believe it, that's good for us. But if you said it, it's truth. If I believe it, that just enhances my relationship. But my, my believing it doesn't make it truth. You said it, God. And so, God, help us today to realize that we stand in the midst of a valley of dry bones in our nation. God, help us to look for you, not to programs, not to idealisms, to look to you for revival. Is there a revival ahead of us, God? We believe it. We believe it today. We believe you hold a revival in your hands for the United States of America. We believe that you're already activated in it, that you're already working it in places around this country. God, as a church, we want to be a part of it. Tabernacle of Praise, we want to be a part of it. God, we, want, we don't want to be left to the side. God, we want to be a part of what you're doing right now. People driving by this building, Lord, as they drive by, let the unction of your spirit somehow, they may not even understand why they're coming in, draw them in. Let them feel something different when they drive on Corey Edwards Road than they've ever felt in their life. God, there are people who drive by here every day. They've got troubled marriages, troubled kids, problems financially, no work, no jobs, all kind of things going on in their lives. And they're passing by the very answer. The very answer. Bring them into our life. Send us, Lord, in, in, in our neighborhoods. God, we, we have people that live all around us. We, we work with people. God, there are, there, we go to school with them. They're all around us, Lord that are in the same situation. God, help me to recognize those that are hungry. You said in your word, there will be places we go when people won't hear the word, they won't be hungry, just to shake the dust off our feet and keep moving. That, that's not a rude thing. That's just to understand there are those that are hungry. Lead me to somebody hungry this week. God, let, let, let preaching be a part, not what I'm doing here in this pulpit, but let preaching of the gospel be something I get to do this week. Let prayer be something I get to do this week. Let following after your spirit be something I get to do this week. Let me experience you this week in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
church, would you just seek the Lord for a little bit? Just ask Him to do something in your life this week that brings revival, not just into you and your family, but into those that you know are lost. A valley of dried up dead men's bones. God, we just seek after you right now. God, we want revival. If you're going to be baptized today, would you go ahead and get ready? So we're going to baptize a few folks today. Would you go ahead and get yourself ready? Got them, got them ready? Okay. We want revival, Lord. God, we desire revival. Is revival ahead of us? It's up to us. It's up to us. God, help me to preach more, to pray more. To walk in spirit now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
God bless you for being here today. If you need to leave, we understand we're going to have a baptism here today. We're going to have more than one. We're going to have three. Throughout our, our walk with God, God brings things into our life, uh, brings revelation to our heart, and helps us to understand things as He brings us through. We're all, you know, here's the thing. We're all coming from different directions to the same God. There's not a hundred different ways to get to God. There's one way to get to God. That's through Jesus Christ. But the revelation of God brings us into that place where we get to Him. And so last week, Malika came and said she was ready to be baptized, baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's, it's how everyone in the Scripture was baptized. I know some of you are thinking, what about Matthew 28, 19? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing Him in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Jesus wasn't given a formula. He wasn't giving them a formula to follow. No more than when He recited what we call the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. We don't recite that. He was giving us an outline. So Jesus was getting, what is the name? What is the name of the Father? Well, Jesus said, I've come in my Father's name. Well, obviously the name of the Son. And what is the name of the Holy Ghost? The Father will send the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, in my name. And so everyone in the book of Acts that was baptized was baptized in the name of Jesus. Not, not so that they can be in fellowship with the church. Not so they could sign a voter's card. Not so that they, it was for the remission, the washing away of sin. And I, you know, I can preach another message. I don't want to do that because it's not my time. But this is a glorious time for me as a pastor to have Jason and Malika. And I, I'm going to get to Bruce here in a second. But I want Jason and Malika who want to be baptized in the name of Jesus. They have three beautiful girls. And those girls are going to follow after them. As, as they walk with Jesus Christ, their girls are going to walk with Jesus Christ. And so what this is going to do is not just, it's not just the remission of sins, guys. It's the beginning of a, a new walk and what your girls are going to see. And so uh, if you'll come up. Baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo, which means to bury, as we do when we bury people in a grave. You don't sprinkle dirt on a person, lay them on the ground, and sprinkle dirt, and then walk off thinking that was a great funeral. You know, that's not what baptism means, but baptism is a full immersion under, and that's what as many as are baptized under Christ. Uh, man, uh, Austin and I have been going through this baptism thing, bouncing it back and forth, so this is going to be a tr real treat for us. Because what we've been talking about, we're now experiencing. And so we're going to baptize her now in the name of Jesus Christ. Hold your wrist like this. And hold your right. Either way. You feel comfortable with Now I'm going to bring you back up. So no worries. When I get ready to baptize you, I want you to hold your nose with that hand. 
Malika, on the profession of your faith and your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. I now baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Well, we baptize her good. We've got water all over the wall. There's nothing like it when mom is baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. It, dad, there's something great about that as well because there's nothing like it when dad does it too. Nothing like it. Come on up here, Jason. Go ahead and step down in there and... All right, now we're going to see what Pastor Don's made of. Jason has recognized his, his, uh, his role as not just husband, but as father, and how that God stationed the, the man. You know, a lot of people want to accuse us of being chauvinistic, but the Bible bears it out that, you know, the, the, the man is the head of the home. And so... This is a great, great example of what a man that's ahead of his home will do. That he will come, humble himself before God, take on his name, take on that authority, be baptized for the remission of sins. And we've talked over it various times. And uh, I can tell you this, there's a, uh, man, there's a spirit in this guy, this man, that, that just, is, it resonates. And so what God has further down the line for this family is yet to, re, to be seen. But we believe great things are going to happen. And I'm going to say this, and I don't mean this to be jovial or whatever, but Darren, you were right. And if y'all don't know what that means, Darren said, when, when, I, when Jason gets in here, the water level is going to, makes it easier for me, my brother. What an awesome thing. Man, if, if the men of our society would get this, if they just get it, man, what an awesome thing. Jason, upon the profession of your faith and your following after Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus for the remission of your sins.
praise your way in. Yes, sir. <laughs> Bruce and I were talking a couple of weeks ago, and Bruce remembers being baptized when he was a young man, baptized in the name of the Lord. He said, part of it, you know, I understood. Part of it, I really didn't understand. And he said, I want to be rebaptized in the name of the Lord. You know, and this, this is a recommitment. But listen, the Bible doesn't, it says one Lord, one faith, one baptism. But when in your spirit you feel, hey, uh, you know, I mean, I didn't know enough then. Or may, maybe I wasn't, you know, wouldn't it be, Austin said this to me not long ago. Wouldn't it be smart just to do it again to make sure? <laughs> so... This is not so much about Bruce making sure. It's a commitment from this man. And we all know the spirit that Bruce has and the love for God that he has. And we appreciate that. And so and this is a privilege. I'm telling you, this is a privilege to have been baptized, uh, Jason and Malika, and then baptized Bruce. Wow. You know, this is a pastor's dream right here. And so we're just going to baptize Bruce, Bruce again, and the Lord's just going to renew him all over. on the profession of your faith and your following of the Lord Jesus Christ. I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Yeah. Hallelujah! waters of baptism are being stirred. If there's anybody else who would like to be baptized in the name of the Lord, certainly we will do that today. Uh, if you wonder more about it or want to know more about it, please feel free to talk to me. I'll be glad to talk with you right now, anytime. We, we, we'd love to baptize you. Uh, is there anybody here that today's... Are, okay. God bless you today. Go with God. He's going with you, Zach. You want to finish this off? For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.